So of course, the, the pleasures of life are there to help you to serve God. There's not, you don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to feel bad about it. But you have to be doing it. You can't be faking yourself out. You have to be using these things for the right reasons to push you forward in your service of God. Episode number 92. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliel Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The Torah portion of the week this week is going to be on Vayakel and Pekudei, the power of being happy, starting with love. We can have a powerful parable about the mortgaged house, a great story about the Marshaw and peace in your home, having a pleasant continence. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So the Shemesh Shmuel starts with this verse from the Mishkan, the building of the tabernacle. It says, And the sockets for the pillars of bronze, the hooks of pillars, and their joints of silver, and the covering of the tops are silver. So he has a question. Why now all of a sudden we mentioned silver? Earlier when it spoke about the building of the Mishkan, before the Chatego, it didn't mention anything about silver. So he brings two Pesukim. One is from Tehillim. It says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And the other one is from Mishlei that says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What does the Zohar say on this? How does somebody accept God into his life? The only way is to first accept the all, which means like an ox which means it's difficult. If you don't first accept the all, if you don't first accept that you have to do what God says, so how are you going to serve God? And he brings the verse from Tehillim, serve God with fear. At the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. So we see that really in the first position, a person should serve God. How does he begin? He has fear of God. He sees as a creator to the universe, and he says, well, I better get my act together. I better do what my creator told me to do. But he says this is very difficult. And especially after the Chet of Egel, it's very difficult. Because we went down a level. So instead, he says, ever since the destruction of the base of Migdash, the only way we can come to serve God is through love. Love in God will enable us to fear God. Since we don't have a base of Migdash anymore, the only way we can come to serve God is through love. And love will lead to fear. He brings the Pasuk from the varmint says, And you shall love your Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and strength. And these words, which words? The Torah. The Torah shall command you, that I should command you today, shall be on your hearts. How do we come to love God? By learning God's Torah. When we see the Torah, we see the unbelievable levels and the unbelievable thinking and the unbelievable ideas of the Torah. We come to love God. And from loving God, we'll come to fear God. So he wants to answer. So why all of a sudden? When we did the Chate Ego, and then we had to build the Mishkan, all of a sudden we started to talk about silver there, because in the entrance to the Mishkan there had to be silver. Silver represents Chesed, which means the meter of Rachamim, the meter of love. And that's the way, to, that's the starting point. At the entrance to the Mishkan, to the base of Megdash, we had silver there. Silver where there was to remind us that our Avoda has to start with love. And we know there are many chazals, there are many places that speak about the base of Migdash being a place of love, love and inspiration. When we go to the base of Migdash, we inspired. Rev. Dessler brings the Midrash Tanchuma that says, and the rabbis say, that all the offerings come because of our sins and our obligations, but the katoris only comes from joy. The incense would bring tremendous happiness to a person. 
The idea expressed by burning the incense is, it is our will to do your will, to give to you, so to speak, pleasure and satisfaction from our actions. That's the idea of the Ketoros. We act here and our actions go up to God and give pleasure to God. And the Zohar in this week's Parsha brings down, whoever smelled the smoke of the Ketoros ascending straight upwards, felt his heart being clarified in light and in joy and in the service of God. The Ketoros has the power of breaking the Eight Sahara. It has the power to break or even inclination. There is nothing more loved before the Ketoros. This is what the Zohar says. Rav Desa continues and he says, This is one of the wonders of the Holy Temple, the heavenly aid which was manifested in it. It enabled every heart to experience what pure and loving service of the Almighty could mean. When you would just go into the temple, you'd be so influenced with a feeling and emotions of love, you'd be overwhelmed. You'd want to serve God. You'd want to be an Ever Hashem. You'd want to do the right thing. You would get a new spirit when you went into the base of Megdash. So we see that the temple was a place of inspiration. Now the Minchas Echinoch brings down, there is a, is a mitzvah, 149, that says, the Kohenim may not enter the Holy Temple with long-growing hair. They can't have their hair grown for more than 30 days. Why is that true? He brings the shortage of the mitzvah. It's because, and growing your hair for more than 30 days is what mourners do. A person who mourns can't cut his hair. Like it says in the scroll of Easter, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. You can't come into the base of Mingdash like a mourner. The house of the eternal Lord only in a state of happiness, joy, and delight, and not in a state of mourning and grief. Everything that happened in the temple was to impress on our hearts the, our state of worth and our state of nobility, to move far from the heart any thoughts of ugliness or sinfulness. Therefore, since that was the purpose of the temple, of mood, respect, and reverent fear, dignity, and joy, while fastening our thoughts to the importance of the place, that its grandeur, splendor, and majesty will soften our hearts and make them receptive, that it will be worthy to receive the true good. The Mishkan and the temple had the ability to inspire us, and therefore we cannot go into it in a state of mourning. It's not shaykh. We have to be happy. If we're not happy, how are we going to be inspired? And Rav Palm says like this, a Jew coming to the base of Mignah should be overwhelmed with feelings of joy and good fortune that he has. Just to be there, there should be no place in his heart for sadness or depression. And he brings a raya proof. The entire city of Yushami had a special status of Simcha. It says in Tehillim that Yushalayim is considered one of the most beautiful sights of joy of the earth. And the Midrash in this week's Parsha says that there was a special bookkeeping chamber outside of Yerushalayim. Where would people go? They would go there in order to do cheshpa. If you came to the base of Migdash for the holidays, so if you wanted to do your cheshbonus, you need to do some of your business, you had to go outside of the city in order to do your business. Why is that true? Because since the city was so filled with simcha, and the people were always happy and joyful from the holiness was there, they didn't want to, make, they didn't want to have any kind of accounting, any kind of business problems to affect the spirit of the people and make them sad. Therefore, they had to go outside of the city of Yushalayim in order to do their business. But we see the importance of having happiness when you serve God. You have to be happy when you serve God. And this is what Rav Pump says. It's not only a Kohen who's in the base of Mingdash that has to be happy. Every Ben Torah has to be happy. If a Ben Torah, a person who dedicates himself to God, is depressed, it's a Chilu Hashem. People think that being religious is depressing. I don't want to be religious if it's depressing. 
Those who are not willing to endure hardships in this world for a promise of the pleasure of the world to come, they'll throw off the Torah. What do I need the Torah for? But if a Ben Torah is always happy and he's always simcha, and he's always projects an image of a person who's living with purpose and a sense of a mission, that's a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And it brings people closer to the Torah. Not only that, it also brings your children closer to the Torah. Because if you're a yeshiva guy, and all day you complain about money, and all day you complain about what happened in the yeshiva, and you complain about the tzibor, and you talk bad about religious people, so your kids are not going to want to be religious. No, you have to be happy. If you're happy being religious, religion's going to spread. And he brings her Moshe Feinstein that many Jews in the last generation had a saying, Oi, it's difficult to be a Jew. And it's because of that, the kids went off the derrick. The kids didn't want to be religious. He says, you should always say, it's great to be a Jew. It's wonderful to be a Jew. It's the best thing in the world to be a Jew. So, of course, your children are going to want to follow. Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein brings a story. There was one time in Haifa, a building, one religious Jew in the building. Everybody else was not religious. But this religious Jew always had a smile on his face. And every day he would say shalom to this other neighbor. And the neighbor thought to himself, you know what? Nobody else says hello to me and nobody else smiles at me. What's going on with this person? So he says, eventually, I began to think there must be a reason why this neighbor is to be cheerful all the time. He must have a very rich inner life. Maybe I should become observant or well. And that's exactly what happened. He became religious. And because of the schus of this Jew who would always smile at him and always say hello to him, because of that, he was chosen b'tshuva. And he was religious and his children were religious for all the generations. Can you imagine the merit the person just has from just smiling at another person? What an effect it could have. Now, being happy and serving God doesn't mean you have to give up everything in this world. You can also use everything in this world to serve God. Rev. Moshe Feinstein brings on the verse, it says, And Moses commanded the man and the woman that they should do no more work towards the gifts of the sanctuary. We see that Moshe Rabbeinu told the people to stop bringing materials to build the Mishkan. So he says, why should that be true? Let them bring as much as they bring. We'll save the money on the side and we'll use it for the upkeep of the base of Mikdash. So if Moshe Feinstein wants to answer, Moses knew that even the property people kept over for themselves could be used in Hashem's service. You don't have to be poor to serve God, you can be rich. Indeed, even materials which we experience could be a means to serve Hashem. As as long as we keep in mind all the pleasures he gives us are meant not just for our own enjoyment, but to help and adorn ourselves to perform his mitzvahs in a way that brings honor to God. Like King Solomon said in Mishlei, Hashem has done everything for his sake. Everything in the world is for Hashem's sake. So it doesn't mean that you have to be poor and you have to be a schlepper and you can't have any physical possessions. No, Adarabah. Moshe Rabbeinu told the people to stop bringing gifts. You know why? Because there's enough here in the base of Megdash. And the things that you have, you can also use to serve God. It doesn't mean you have to be poor and give everything away. No, you can have a nice car and serve God. You can have a nice apartment and serve God. You can have beautiful things. And if you all have in mind to push you forward, to do a vote as Hashem, that the pleasure that you get from the physical world brings you to do more mitzvahs and more avoda and more learning. So of course you can enjoy those things. That's part of being religious. I remember 23 years ago when my daughter had a horrible accident and was left a vegetable. We lost the loose lawsuit because the hospital did not have any insurance, but we got some money as a settlement. So I had the chance to buy a car uh, without taxes for my daughter. And the question, which kind of car was I going to buy? 
And since we got the money, I said, let's buy a Volvo. But then I said to myself, how can I buy a Volvo? Maybe it's too much. So I went to go ask Baruch Hashiva what he thought. So he said, no, you should buy the nicest car you can buy. Why? Because at least you feel you got pleasure, you got something. After this horrible accident, my daughter's still a vegetable. Uh, after what happened to her, uh, at least you got something, you get some pleasure. It'll help you to serve God. So, of course, the, the pleasures of life are there to help you to serve God. There's not, you don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to feel bad about it. But you have to be doing it. You can't be faking yourself out. You have to be using these things for the right reasons to push you forward in your service of God. On the other hand, we see that where Moshe finds it, brings the verse. He says like this, And these are the reckonings of the tabernacle. This verse also tells us just the opposite. Just as the artisans had to account for the use of every ounce of material that was donated to the Mishkan, so we too must also much give an accounting for the bounty which Hashem gave us and blessed us. And in other words, all the things that we have, of course it's a blessing. Of course we should thank God for it. And should we be happy? Then we should have tremendous love for God. But it's not there to take for ourselves. <laughs> why God created us and why God gave us everything to be happy to be happy or what? to be happy and just to be happy and sit in your living room and do nothing? no to be happy to serve God to do something with your happiness to take that happiness and push it forward to bring you to higher levels of spirituality higher levels of ruchnius that you should grow use the things the physical things that you have to grow because if not on the other hand there's a cheshbon you're taking for yourself you're selfish what are you doing with all your physical things? You're keeping it for yourself? No, use it to serve God. And the Chas himself brings a proof for this. He brings also a, a Pasuk in this week's Parsha. It says, Take for yourselves a portion for Hashem. Everyone whose heart motivates him shall bring it as a gift for Hashem. So he asks the question. It's kafalashin. It's a redundant language. It says a portion for Hashem, a gift for Hashem. What does it say both? The answer is because the only thing that you can actually give to Hashem is already Hashem's. The only thing you can give Hashem is your own enthusiasm, your motivation and generosity. That's why it's a gift for Hashem, not His gift to us. Since Hashem does not influence man's free will, He gives us the ability to give, but really everything belongs to God. What are we giving? We give tzedakah. We're giving the money that Hashem gave to us, we're giving to somebody else. We do use our things to serve, to bring to the tabernacle. We want to bring, we want to give donations. What donations? <laughs> Hashem gave them to us, and we're giving back to Hashem. Everything belongs to Hashem. So, of course, we can't have the attitude that things are ours, and obviously they're legally ours, but we can't have the attitude that it was given for us for our own personal pleasure. No, everything was given for us to give us more enthusiasm, to give us more excitement, to give us more love, to serve God even more. And the Svas Emes brings another aspect of the base thing, Migdash, which brings happiness. This week is Parsha Skalim. So we had to bring, it says, the Pasuk says, on the first day of Adar, we informed the people about their obligation to donate a half shekel to the base of Migdash. So we asked, why were these donations asked specifically on the first day of Adar? He says, because, listen to this, this is unbelievable. He says, Adar is like Elul. Elul is the month before Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the year. But there's another beginning of the year, which is Pesach, which is the month of Nisan. It should be the first of months for us, the verse says. So we see that there's a month before Nisan, there's a month of Adar. So just like Elo is to Tishrei, Adar is to Nisan, which means a month before you have to do tshuva. Which tshuva? The tshuva of Ava, the tshuva of love, returning to God with love. Just like in Elo, we return to God with fear, 
because the beginning of the year is Yom Aden, so too the beginning of the year in Nisan, that's the beginning of the year from with love. <laughs> in other words, we should do tshuva out of Ava. This is an unbelievable thing. And that's why we're commanded the base of Mikdash to bring the shekel specifically in the month of Adar. It's to awaken our good feelings and our dedication to him. That we should begin the year with good feelings and love. We have an ex- opportunity to express our love for God and give us even more joy. So now, in the month of Adar, is our chance to return to God with love and happiness. And that's the way, like I started the piece, that's the way that we can start our vote as Hashem and eventually to come to fear of God. But the love and the happiness is a thing that's going to bring us close. Here is a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your potential. The Magid Maduma brings a verse from this week's Parsha. These are the accounts of the Mishkan, the Mishkan of testimony. Rashi explains, why does it say in that verse, Mishkan, Mishkan twice? Because the Mishkan was taken as collateral and destroyed twice as the result of the sins of the Jewish people. In other words, instead of the Jewish people being destroyed, Hashem destroyed and took away the base of Mikdash. So he wants to bring a mush like this. One time, there was a man who was sentenced to life in prison. And there was another old man who heard about it. He couldn't take it. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mortgage my house. I'm going to get the money. I'm going to get this guy out of prison. And that's exactly what he did. So when the guy came out of prison, he thanked him very much. But basically, he went on his way. So when somebody else heard the story, a friend of the man who went on his way, he says, what are you doing? How could you do such a thing? Are you a Russia? Don't you know this man, he mortgaged his entire house. He took the money to, to, to get you out of jail. Don't you feel you have to pay him back that he can get his house back? So that was the Masha. What's the Nimshah? Hashem also gave us a base of Migdash. We had a base of Migdash. But because of our sins, the base of Migdash was given over to the nations. And we no longer have it. It's there, but it's not functioning. But now that we return to Eretz Yisrael, we should pray that the base of Migdash comes. What kind of mitos, what kind of character it is that we don't pray that Hashem's house should be given back to him. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. The verse in this week's Parsha says, Every man and every woman whose heart has motivated them to bring any work that Hashem has commanded to make through Moses, the children of Israel brought a donation to Hashem. So one time the yeshiva of the Marashua needed to build a new building. So it was a tremendous schus, a tremendous merit to build this building. So they decided they're going to make an auction and they're going to see how much money they can get. So one of the men came to the Gabbai and said, listen, I will donate 500 rubles, which is a tremendous amount of money. Please just don't tell anybody who it is. So they had the auction. Then it went up and then he made the announcement that a person gave 500 rubles and he won. So they're now they're all waiting to see who's going to lay the cornerstone of the yeshiva. So the man also anticipated that. And he told him, listen, I don't want nothing to do. I want to keep a secret. The Marashoi himself will lay down the first stone in the yeshiva. And that's exactly what happened. So afterwards, the Marashoi decided to invite this person to his house. So he found out that this person really is not a rich person at all. So you don't understand. How can you donate so much money? You're not a rich person. He says, listen, I don't have any children. 
but at least I want to make sure that I give my money to yeshiva. I want to make sure that that will be the purpose of my life, to help uh, children, to help other people, to sit and learn Torah. So the Maharshal said to him, he said, he blessed him that he would have a son, and he said, this, the son you have will eventually be learning yeshiva. That's exactly what happened. A year later, the boy, he gave birth to a son. And then 13 years later, he brought the boy to the yeshiva. In the end, the boy was in the yeshiva. So the Ashlik wants to explain that what does it mean? What's the main resting place of the Shekhinah? In Okinami, it's a building, it's a yeshiva. But it's really the people inside of the yeshiva. So therefore, when Hashem sees that a person gives money to help a yeshiva, he rewards him with righteous children, that the Shekhinah should be on the people, not just on the buildings, on the righteous children of Yisrael. And that's why the verse says, as Rav Palm explains, that's what the verse says, the children of Israel that brought a donation. Why specifically the children of Israel? Because through their donations, you're going to have children that are going to have the Shekhinah on them, and the divine presence will be with these children. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So what Moshe Aaron Stern explains that part of having peace in your house is also being happy. It's also having a pleasant nature. And he says, like it says, Beis Shammai says, Beis Shammai says, a man must always receive another person with a pleasant countenance. Rabbeinu Yonah says that means to have a happy expression. So you would think that, why is Beis Shammai saying this? Hillel should say it. Beis Shammai is Midas Adin, he's strict. And Hillel is the one who's always happy. He's one of the Talmudim of Aaron, who said, love peace and pursue peace. So if Desla wants to say that even according to strict justice, even if you want to be Makhbit, even if you hold by Frumkai, you still have to be happy to people. You still have to be happy. The Oiz Chaim of the Rush says, your face should never be angry as you pass somebody by. And all the more so people in your household, well, you have to be happy in your household. You have to smile at your wife and smile at your kids. The Sefer Yeram says, just as a person can have onus devarim, verbal abuse, so also there's only an ayin hara, which means sadness of the heart. You're hurting people in your house if you're sad. If you walk around mopey all day, you're hurting your children. You're hurting your wife. You're not allowed to do such a thing. A pleasant face is more important than all the material gifts in the world. If you give somebody a gift, you give your wife or your kid a gift, and you look down, you're not happy, <laughs> doesn't mean anything. But if you smile at them, it's like you give them every gift in the world. By giving your heart to your wife and your children, you're giving them everything. The Miri brings a bit of a dress. He says, sever panimyafos, which means sever, which means he should hold. Even if you don't like somebody else, you should make them feel like you do like them. And all the more so in your own family. When there's tough situations going on in the house, you have to be disciplined not to have a bad mood. So one time he says he, had, he escorted Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach through very stormy weather. And just before he got in the house, he made sure he was all tidy. He fixed up his beard and his payas. He said, a wife shouldn't have to see her husband disheveled. He should look neat and pleasant when he walks in the house. And this is a person who's been married for 50 years. So surely when you come home, you should be pleasant, pleasant to your wife and your family. They say that the Chazanish suffered from health problems his entire life, and still he always received people pleasantly. 
Like the Gemara says, greater than one who whitens his teeth, smiles before his friend, the one who gives him milk to drink. A good word can change in a person's entire day. Rev Yochanan greeted everybody, Jews and non-Jews alike. He was always the first person to say shalom. And Rav has said in Gemara Tainus, if you see a Talmud, a student, whose learning is difficult for him as iron, it's because his Rebbe did not show him a pleasant face. So even being nice to people can help people to understand. <laughs> it can give das to another person, being nice to another person. Showing a pleasant countenance in the home can cast a new light on all of the difficulties that you have in your house and bring peace and tranquility to your home. The Zohar writes, a man must behave properly in his house, and from there, his children and his wife will learn how to behave. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.